From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Where the story goes, we follow Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT Radio. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. I'm coming to you from Sydney, Australia for the next two hours, and I hope you can stay with us. There's plenty coming up. Your live global radio station, by the way, is video streaming now. For those of you who've been in uh, another part of the world or haven't been watching and listening, uh, we've gone to a new echelon. We are video streaming on just about every single video streaming platform in the world. We're talking YouTube, Facebook, X, Rumble, Odyssey, our own website, our own app, and about 100 other video streaming platforms. So there's no getting away from us now. Uh, In this edition, we've seen how woke and wet government policy can be in just about every Western country in the world in the last 30 years which tends to open the door to illegal entrance with criminal intent. Uh, We're seeing it at the moment in London and, of course, the former Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, is giving the uh, Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, um, a time in hell over making decisions to ensure that only those that England want to import come to the country. Well, in one European nation, the judiciary is now allowing gang rapists off time in jail because they've endured, would you believe, the hardship of arriving in a first world country from their third world African outpost. How do they cope? This story will make you so angry. The judges in their cosy elite bubble in this European nation have just lost the plot. My special guest today will be American entrepreneur, the inventor, by the way, of the optical mouse. You probably knew that. Philanthropic supporter of medical research and a critic of COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, Steve Kirsch. It's been about six months since I've had Steve on the program. He'll be updating us on that huge story out of New Zealand, which saw a data collator, so a, a computer programmer, in other words, jailed because he dared to expose the link between excess deaths and the vaccine rollout. We'll also talk about the UK report that claimed one in four who had Pfizer COVID jabs experienced unintended immune response. One in four. That was the news late last week. And Japan has just approved the world's first self-amplifying mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. But guess what? No data on safety or efficacy has been released. Does that sound familiar to you? does to me. Steve Kirsch, shortly on the program. From Down Under today, we'll be talking all the political issues with the help of New South Wales Senator Holly Hughes. Looking forward to her presence. There's the latest fumble by the federal government in relation to the release from prison of a convicted jihadist. It is quite astonishing what almost happened. And we'll talk about the new Premier of Queensland, the bland and sometimes rather nasty Stephen Miles, plus a few other curly issues from Holly as well. Now, COP28 looks like wrapping up tomorrow without the Holy Grail. That is an agreement to phase out oil and gas as they hoped would occur. But what does this mean for oil, gas, nuclear stocks and the money that countries will dedicate to encouraging more nuclear? Um, And what about the whole fantasy of net zero now? Has that gone off the table entirely after this decision today? Greg Canavan from Fat Tail Investment Research will join us to explain all of that. And we'll have your input, hopefully, on our talkback lines. They are open from this second onward throughout the entire two hours. So jump on right now from the United States or Canada, one 201 6425 From the United Kingdom, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Jump on those talkback lines and let's hear what you have to say. You're with Chris Smith, broadcasting live on the Global News Talk Network, 
tntradio.live. Conversations to inform and include. It's meant for everyday people to understand. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Alex has just written in the chat box saying, looking forward to hearing Steve Kirsch and Chris Smith discussing those big issues. Yeah, a few other issues to discuss. I might also get Steve Kirsch's view on Elon Musk at the moment and X because Elon keeps talking about the fact that as soon as advertisers leave us, it will be their fault that X crashes. Would X actually crash? Don't know. Don't have a look. I don't have the books in front of me. I don't know how they can survive, but the bloke is a multi-billionaire. Anyway, it'll be interesting to hear what Steve Kirsch says about Elon, whether he's bluffing or not. There's a lot developing in the world over migration levels at the moment, a lot developing about border control and who should not be allowed in certain countries. The southern border of the United States is a basket case. The UK is on the verge of halving its intake, and Australia has just announced this week doing exactly that. But in Germany, a mighty row has broken out over one of the most inconceivable court decisions involving a gang of rapists, most of them blaming their immigration experiences for their criminality. You heard right. The German court delivered its verdict last week concerning a barbaric gang rape from September 2020 on a 15-year-old German girl in the city of Hamburg. 11 men were initially charged with the crime, with only four of them technically German. Now, that is important to note. The results, two were acquitted, nine were found guilty, eight got probation, would you believe? Eight of the nine found guilty got probation. And that probation did not exceed two years, by the way. Only one headed to prison. One. The community of Hamburg has been outraged by the weak sentencing, especially with the release of eight convicted rapists. But on the other side of the ledger, you wouldn't believe what the city has done. The city uh, officials have condemned the angry critiques of the judgment and have accused the community of having an anti-migrant attitude. Spiegel reported that the victim attended a party on the festival lawn in Hamburg City Park. Four of the men dragged the girl, then intoxicated she was, into a bush and raped her. Four. One of the rapists added insult to grievous injury and stole her phone and wallet. Two other men then joined in, raping the victim as well. After the initial attacks, the victim began stumbling away, but right into the arms of yet another rapist from the pack. He was then joined by three additional rapists who are suspected to have all similarly sexually assaulted the victim. The brutal gang rape lasted nearly three hours. Let me take you back. Nine found guilty, eight given probation. It was a three-hour gang rape. According to German newspaper Süddeutsche Zeitung, after her violent dehumanisation, the victim managed to get onto a train. However, her aggressors followed her. Fortunately, she fled to a group of people who recognised her condition and they called the police. DNA evidence implicated nine of the rapists. There was also video evidence, but Spiegel indicated that the footage was irretrievably deleted shortly after the crime. How? An 11th defendant charged with filming the rape was acquitted earlier this year as well. Four of the rapists had Afghan, Kuwaiti, Armenian and Montenegrin nationalities. One was born in Iran, another in Libya and a third in Egypt. Although the rapists were aged 17 to 21 at the time of this horrific crime, they were tried in a youth court and media coverage was prohibited until afterwards. 96 witnesses and several experts gave testimony, including a psychiatrist, Nala Simar, who intimated that the gang rape may have been a means to let off some of the frustration that supposedly comes with migration experiences and socio-cultural homelessness. 
Seymour said rapists who live in the margins of society, completely uprooted culturally, linguistically and socially, might face a mix of emotions of anger, sadness, powerlessness, depression, fantasies of grandeur to cope with misery and drug use. Sex, she continued, could serve as a means of releasing frustration and anger. Can you believe this crap? And how's this gem? The psychiatrist then suggested that gang rape fosters identity and strengthens group feeling. How wonderful for them. Samar's theory must have convinced presiding judge Anne Meyer Goering of her outrageous excuses because she sentenced eight of the rapists to probation. Only one, a 19-year-old, received prison time, but he got two and a half years. And this is not the first time Germany's courts have treated migrant gang rapists softly. Ten migrants, eight Syrians, an Iraqi and an Algerian, who similarly said their victim had consented, were sentenced to prison in July 2020 for gang raping an 18-year-old woman in Freiburg. The maximum prison sentence, though, was just five years and six months. And in the latest case, Spiegel reports that those involved in the trial have been subjected to overwhelming criticism and hostility. Funny that, since the rapists were set free, hateful messages have been sent to the judge. A new low, according to the court. A new low in sentencing, according to the public. The Hamburg Judges Association said calls for violence against the judge, which also have an anti-migrant background, are completely unbearable. But how could the association keep a straight face defending the actual sentences or lack thereof? A three-hour series of gang rapes perpetrated by 11 men, irrespective of the nationality of the culprits, deserves lengthy jail terms, not freedom, not probation. How can any so-called psychiatry expert write off gang rape as a symptom of being an angry migrant? Maybe they need to go back home where they're far more comfortable and don't gang rape. This is a migrant who turns up in a rich first world Western country where welfare exists, job opportunities are plentiful, from a third world African outpost. What a shocking excuse. And then to set nine of the rapists free is inexplicable in any first world judicial system. The prospect is that such a weak set of rulings will clearly encourage the next gang of potential rapists to take their chances. And the same woeful defence will be used again to pressure the next judge into a similar sentence. The rape now developing, or the rage, I should say, now developing in Hamburg over the fact that most of the culprits were migrants is not xenophobia. It's not anti-migrant. It's entirely understandable. To be granted residency in any elite European country from a third world nation is not a punishment. It's a privilege which should be treated as such. Outrageous. This is TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion.
to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far-left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism, but the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good to have your company. Now, let's return to that bombshell story I told you about approximately two weeks ago now, which involved the whistleblower exposing the link between excess deaths in New Zealand and the COVID vaccines. Barry Young, who was a computer programmer and former employee of the New Zealand government's Ministry of Health, well, he caused a major he headache for authorities, not just in New Zealand, but around the world, by leaking data, linking vaccination status to deaths. He knew what he was doing. Authorities clearly don't want this made public. And last week, Young was charged with, would you believe, dishonestly accessing a computer. He was put in jail. The recipient of that leak, Steve Kirsch, has shared the anonymized vaccination death data for the world to see. Now, Steve is a philanthropist, truth teller and critical thinker. He founded the COVID-19 Early Treatment Fund in April 2020 to help end the pandemic. Following hearing disturbing stories of his friends about vaccine injuries and deaths, he founded the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation in October 2021. He joins us live from Los Altos Hills, California, USA. Steve Kirsch, welcome to TNT Radio. Thanks, Chris. It's good to be here. This was one hell of a story, um, gobsmacking, to be honest. What does the leaked New Zealand data specifically tell us? It tells us that the uh, there are excess deaths that are tied to the date of vaccination, uh, and it's unambiguous. There are lots of different ways to analyze this data, and anyone skilled in the art of analyzing data of this type can very easily see the safety signal here and so the bottom line is the overall estimate for all doses, all ages, is about one death per thousand doses on average in the, in the whole population. And so for New Zealand, where we had 12 million uh, doses of the vaccine that were given out, we're looking at somewhere on the order of 12,000 uh, deaths that are caused by the vaccine. And if you look at the actual death numbers in New Zealand, you find that there are around 12,000 excess deaths that shouldn't have been there. You know, if you look at, at a baseline of 2017, 2018, 2019, and then you look at the post-COVID numbers, you see that uh, there's, a, th there's a big number of excess deaths. And, you know, there are headlines in New Zealand about the 
high number of excess deaths. And it's not a coincidence, it's being caused by the vaccines. But the troubling thing is that Barry sent an email to the leadership of Health New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And he said, you got trouble in, in this data, it shows that it's killing people. And instead of investigating the allegation, what they did is they said, you're fired. And they didn't even talk to him about what he had found. It was, you're fired. So they were not interested in pursuing the truth. They were not interested in assessing whether he was correct or not. They just basically said, hey, if you go against the narrative and you expose something like this, you're fired. Now, what we don't have, and this is the stunning thing, is that we don't have any statement from any epidemiologist who works at Health New Zealand saying that we examine the data and the data is consistent with a safe vaccine. And the reason you don't have that is because the data is not consistent with a safe vaccine. And this is why they want to recall the data. And let's just point out, additional to what you've just explained so brilliantly there, he was actually calculating deaths above 120 per day. So this isn't like four here, five the next day, one the next day. Maybe this could be related to other kind of diseases that have been up in numbers at the same time. These were extraordinary number of deaths that would not have been recorded even pre-pandemic, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't looked um, even at the, you know, there are lots of different ways to analyze this and and Barry looked at, at it from a lot number perspective. I, I looked at it from an overall perspective in terms of just the, uh, what the death curve is supposed to look like. Like if if you have a bunch of people who got dose two, the, if, and if you plot out the number of deaths per day of that group that got shot number two, and there were you know a lot of people that got uh, you know million people that got shot number two uh, in this in this data, um, and so you know the, the, this I mean this this data actually has uh, data for two two about two million over two million people in this data set. It's four million records, so we didn't get everybody's record for every shot. So we have about a million records uh, uh, for. Uh, for some of these shots, for a couple of the shots and less than that. <clears throat> but if you take these, these people who got, say, shot number two, and you look at the number of deaths per day since they got the shot, it's supposed to be a line that slopes downwards. In other words, fewer and fewer people are supposed to die after they get the shot. And that's just because there are fewer people left to die. So if you start with 100 people, yep. it's going to the, the, the number of deaths is going to be proportional to the size of the cohort. And so as the cohort goes smaller and smaller as people die, the number of deaths per day um, is going to go lower. And so it's always a slope downwards. Now, for this vaccine, and you don't have to do any analysis at all, you just bring up spreadsheet with this. For this vaccine, the slope goes upwards. We've never seen anything like this before. It's yeah. unprecedented. Yeah. And so that tells you something very serious is going wrong. Either we have some, some weird effect in society that manages to kill people at a higher rate based on when that specific person got the vaccine. It's person dependent, right? It's, it's not like it, there's a background effect that's applying to everyone. It's like, if you got the vaccine on this date, then we're going to go and increase your death rate every single day since you got the vaccine. This is unheard of. Yeah. Anybody who is qualified who looks at this data says, my God, there's no other way to explain this. We've never seen anything like this before. This is why there's complete silence from the epidemiologists at Health New Zealand. And when I asked them, I, I, I offered them, I, I reached out, I sent an email to Margie Appa at Health New Zealand. And I said, Margie, you know, you want me to take down the data, I'm willing to do that if I can talk to your epidemiologist who can explain to me how these vaccines are safe. Mm. She did not respond to my offer. I know she wants me to take the data down because they try to get my provider to take, take the data down. And they did for about a week. And then my, my account is restored. So with the data intact.
So it didn't but Steve, work. if they had a reasonable argument, they would have been there, quick, smart, accepting your invitation and speaking to you for an endless hour, arguing why it's wrong. They can't argue that it's wrong because it's so right, it's embarrassing. That's right. You know, the closest I get to arguing with anybody in New Zealand about it um, is uh, Sean Plunkett. And I, I called up Sean Plunkett's uh, uh, show today, and uh, we had a discussion for 20 minutes, uh, which about 18 of the minutes Sean was talking, and he allowed me a couple of minutes to have a word in edgewise. I don't know if you know Sean, but uh, yes, yeah, he's uh, very typical. Um, let, yes, let's take a break. I've got to get some news different. for our listeners just for 30 seconds, and I'll come back. I want to talk further about the criminality in this um, and whether the criminality is being put up as some kind of roadblock at the moment. Steve Kirsch, my guest on the program, will go to some news and come back with him in just a second on TNT Radio. Here's what's making news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is back in Washington, demanding more money and weapons from Congress. Ukraine is now threatening to boycott next year's Olympics in Paris after Games bosses gave Russian athletes the green light to compete under a neutral flag. And Israel has been accused of using white phosphorus bombs supplied by Washington to attack a small village in southern Lebanon. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. And this is Chris Smith with Steve Kirsch. Steve, what criminality is involved here? Because all I can ascertain is that he has taken a computer, maybe a computer that was owned by the government. But apart from that, he hasn't released personal data of those who died. This is all um, anonymous, right? Yeah, he basically, he made a copy of a, a database. Uh, that he was the administrator of. So he made a copy and I got a copy of his copy mm -hmm. and I obfuscated the data and then made it public. Right. So we didn't jeopardize anyone's privacy because none of the records will match anybody's record. Okay. So we made sure that no record was left intact. We changed everything about the record. <laughs> everything was changed. It does not match anyone's record. So nobody can look up their record and find it. So no one's privacy was breached. So, but what we do have is statistical fidelity, which means that we obfuscated the data in such a way that you can still analyze it and find signals, but not in a way that you could violate people's privacy. Okay. So we released the data in a responsible way. And this was my derivative work that I posted on my website. And Health New Zealand contacted Wasabi and had Wasabi remove my servers and so I wouldn't have access to my server for a week. And then Wasabi determined that it wasn't their data at all. And then they restored my account. <laughs> so these people, and they knew, they knew that this data was not their data. Mm. So they basically... Uh, blew me out of the water for a week. But, you know, when that happened, I had backups. I got it up on another site within 24 hours of, of the site being down. So so now I have it on a bulletproof uh, host, so it can't be taken down again. Good. But what they did was very unethical, uh, in my opinion. And they don't respond to any offers to let's talk about the data because I published my analysis. My analysis shows that you know, that the vaccine is killing people. And I said, hey, well, you know, why can't we have a statement from your epidemiologist? Why can't we see your analysis of the raw data and your analysis of the time series cohort analysis showing that the vaccines are safe? And there is silence mm. from the other end, which means that they're criminally negligent. 
You know, this is criminal negligence. When you're informed that there's a safety problem and you basically don't investigate it, Absolutely. that's criminal negligence and they yeah. should be charged. They should go to jail for this. Yeah, exactly. They all should. That, that, okay, that's what my next question. They all, I'm talking about the rest of the world here. What if we could get access to the same data in every state in the United States and around the world? What would it show? Something similar? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We do have access. I've got... I have data from five countries, okay? I have New Zealand, I have the US, I have the UK, I have the Maldives, and I have Israel, five countries. Mm. Guess what? They all show the exact same effect. Right. You give the shot, the death rate climbs. It doesn't matter what country you're in, it doesn't matter what dose you give, the same effect happens. There is no way to explain that. And I have talked to people who have criticized me and said, no, you're wrong. It's New Zealand opened up their, their borders on this date and this caused the, the rise. No, it's not because it happens for every single dose and it happens in every single country for every single dose that we have data so for. So what about and Barry Young, Steve? He becomes this eternal political prisoner, does he? Yeah, he basically could serve for seven years because, you know, if you expose a crime, if you basically go and blow the whistle and expose a crime, you are treated as the criminal and the perpetrators of the crime are set free. I guess that that's that's how it works in New Zealand, Outrageous. apparently, Outrageous. because they're they're not pursuing <laughs> the health authorities who are looking the other way while people die. Look. You know, where's the transparency? Health New Zealand, what they should have done is say, guys, we're, it, 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 there's nothing to see here. Um, we're going to release the full data set. We're going to release the, all 12 million records. We're going to go of and beyond. We're going to show you that there's nothing to see here. We're going to release all 12 million records and we'll obfuscate it using the same algorithm that Mr. Kirsch used because we couldn't even uh, crack that algorithm. And my algorithm, I posted it uh, on the website for people to to use. Well, they didn't do that. Why are they? Why do we not have transparency? We just proved Barry Young has just done the something that's never before done in history. Never before have we been able to see vaccine data on a patient level basis that's that's properly obfuscated. We've never they've never allowed that not in any country in the entire world, not in his, on the history of man, have they ever allowed data like this to be accessible by the public. Okay. So Barry, basically, you know, he pulled the curtain uh, behind the, the wizard and you could see the wizard and expose the wizard. And what you see is a, is a wizard vaccine that kills people. And they don't like that at all because, you know, if the, vac if the vaccine is truly safe, they would be saying, hey, let me just show you all the data. And every country in the world would be saying, hey, let me show you all the data. And nobody, no. nobody is offering to expose the data and nobody wants to analyze the data from New Zealand. Yeah. They all want to dismiss it saying, oh, it's not valid. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it does, it's not complete. Um, it's, uh, you know, we, we, they'll use all sorts of excuses for, for, for not looking at the data. Okay. This isn't going away. People like yourself and myself and others won't let it go away. I want to move on to two other COVID related stories. Last week, the Telegraph reported one in four who had Pfizer COVID jabs experienced unintended immune response. Do you see authorities attempting to downplay the finding on this as well? They're, uh, uh, what I've seen is I've seen people ignore it. I, don't, I haven't seen anyone pick up on that. You know, it's it's like the the DNA contamination uh, story that the authorities say, okay, yeah, 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 it's there, but we don't want to talk about it. There's no evidence that it causes harm. There's no evidence that it causes harm because they're not doing any of the studies which would give them the evidence that it does cause harm. Right. So um, in this particular case, I've heard nothing from any of the health authorities uh, looking into this. And the story uh, talks about this as generating in 25% uh, of the people who get the vaccine, it's generating proteins 
that it's not supposed to create. And so these are sort of junk proteins that your immune system gets rid of, but these things can always have sort of side effects that uh, people don't appreciate. And the researchers that did that don't have the control groups and so forth to be able to right. assess the but seriousness. One in four, of, of Steve. One, one in four, four is huge. Seriously. Yeah, oh. it's 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 huge. And you know the thing is, we we don't know, and and they could be right that it could be totally harmless uh, proteins, and and it has to do with a mistake. It's it's due to the pseudouridine uh, in these vaccines, and the body has never seen something like this before, so it kind of chokes a little when it does the uh, replication of the RNA, and it doesn't quite replicate it correctly to create a junk protein because there's frame shifting. There's uh, oh shit, you know, we, we dropped something on the floor because of this weird thing that we saw. And so it doesn't duplicate correctly, but it's because it's seeing proteins that it's not used to seeing and is not like equipped to seeing because it's, it's, these are man-made, um, artifacts. And so, mm. uh, it, it's just, it, it's basically causing weird shit to be yep. generated in your body. And we don't know what the repercussions of that are right. on a of large course. scale. All right, let's go to Japan. Uh, Japan has just approved the world's first self-amplifying mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, but the manufacturer has not published safety or e e efficacy data for the shot, which sounds incredibly similar to what we experienced about three years ago. Are you surprised that such approvals of those kind of injections are still happening uh, given what we've just been through yeah yeah you know totally but you know it's kind of like you thought you saw the bottom before you know that they can't go any lower than this and then you see stories like this where you say well i guess i was wrong they can go lower uh so this is just unbelievable that the government of Japan would approve something like this without the proper safety studies. I mean, it is, uh, you know, this is something novel. This is not like a minor tweak on an existing vaccine. This is something very novel. And you would expect that it would go through the same regulatory process that any other uh, new drug would would go through. And, uh, and they're just giving it the green light. This is just, uh, it's, unfathomable to and me. And just for uh, a point of record, can you explain to us what a self-amplifying mRNA COVID-19 vaccine is? Um, you know, I haven't seen one before. This is a new concept. And right. I think this is, it's basically that, um, I, 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 like I said, I'm not an expert in this area, but it, 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 uh, from what I recall, it is basically uh, generating far more uh, uh, like if you're uh, generating spike proteins, it would uh, generate it more efficiently or what have you. So it's uh, it's maybe. Uh, but still, after what we've just been what, through, don't there. you think that they need to be privy? That is, the government needs to be privy of any efficacy data that's logical or makes sense to them, but also to giving it to the public to assess as well, given what we've yeah. just been through would have made sense. Where, where, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, where's the transparency of, yeah. of any of this stuff? Yeah. You know, the, why, why don't we have transparency for any of the vaccines that we're basically forced to give our yeah. kids? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. There's no transparency. I mean, it's so bad. Look, if the, if the vaccines are really safe, then let's have data transparency on all the childhood vaccines that we're giving to our kids and any vaccine that's given to adults. And you know, it's the fault of the doctors because the doctors have this oath, the Hippocratic oath to say, do no harm, but they're not asking to see this patient record level data so they can make an assessment on the safety of these vaccines. Cause that's the only way you can assess the, the safety. They're not asking for it. And the governments aren't providing it. They're basically just, just saying, trust me, this is a very, very poor system for uh, assuring people's health. And in fact, all of the, the studies that compare uh, the two groups, the groups that are fully vaccinated versus the groups that are fully unvaccinated, in every single study, the unvaccinated turn out to be the winners, mm. the unvaccinated. And so Congress, actually, some people in, in uh, the United States Congress tried to get a bill passed to require 
the National Institutes of Health to do a safety study comparing the fully unvaxxed with the fully vaxxed. The bill never made it out of committee. <laughs> who, who wouldn't who wouldn't want to know that? Exactly. I mean, we're we're like dealing with corruption beyond belief. You know, they did a. Another thing in Congress is uh, William Thompson. He's a scientist who works at the CDC. He was ordered by his bosses at the CDC to destroy any data that would link vaccines and autism. He was told to delete that data and just publish a paper showing that there's no link. He did that. He followed the orders. He kept his job. And then he had regrets and he came out and he, he talked to Congressman Bill Posey. Posey tried to get him to testify in Congress and he was and and Posey was threatened by members of Congress to say, hey, if you do that, we'll take away all your chairmanships and we'll make life miserable for you. And so there was never a hearing in Congress where where CDC scientist William Thompson could basically tell Congress that the CDC is corrupt. They ordered him to destroy data that would link vaccines and autism. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of mainstream medics talk about the fact that we've got to be ready for the next pandemic. Uh, the World Health Organization never stops talking about the next pandemic and the one after that and how they need to have control, et cetera, et cetera. We won't go into what they want uh, at this stage, which is outrageous. But I I'm just saying that to make the point. There should have been more testing, more studies, more research done once the major emergency of the pandemic was over than what we saw even during the pandemic so we could actually be prepared for a possible pandemic down the track so that we knew whether vaccines were worth taking or whether they didn't prevent um, what we were faced with. We, we, we should have had efficacy studies done on the efficacy studies that were done to work out exactly what we were taking and how dangerous they were. But governments right around the world have just put down the shutters and walked away from this pandemic, haven't they? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it, it's just shocking, really, the uh, uh, how, how this has been handled. It has been handled so poorly. And the, the I think the most troubling thing is the silencing of critics yeah. uh, in the in their handling. And it is like they're achieving scientific consensus by basically threatening, intimidating, coercing, censoring uh, anybody who disagrees with the narrative. Yeah. And when you do that, you're going to get you're going to get very poor health outcomes. And that's exactly what happened here. Yep. They didn't listen to people who had differing views. They didn't try to resolve the differences. They basically just said, I don't want to hear from you. And it's our way or the highway. And this is how we're going to do it. And there's so many things that were completely nuts about this. Like the, you know, the, the there's a six foot rule. They came up with six feet in, in the U United States because they, they thought it sounded okay. They thought 12, 12 feet was too unmanageable. Three feet would be too unbelievable. So they said, yeah, six sounds about right. And that's how they're doing science, you know? And, and for masks, it's like, there's, there's no study that showed that masks were effective against COVID that they used to justify uh, telling people to mask up. It's just like, well, this sounds good and the public will buy it. <laughs> and they'll, they're, buy, they're, they're buying it even today. There's a study that came out that, that says that people who wear masks are 33% more likely to be diagnosed with COVID than people who aren't wearing masks. Yeah, there you go. Oh, dear. Um, we will talk again. Great to have you on the program. Thank you very much for being generous with your time too. Sure. My pleasure, Chris. It's great to be here. Good. Thank you very much. Steve Kirsch, uh, philanthropist, uh, truth teller. Uh, and in these particular episodes, how true he has been with the help of that computer programmer in New Zealand. We've got to keep across that story because someone who warned the health authorities in New Zealand that something wasn't right with the vaccine should have been heard, should have been listened to, should have been praised and promoted for what he did. Instead, now he was thrown straight into jail after putting those allegations to air. Like, it's just gross, isn't it? It is just gross. Petrified of the truth coming out. But it's the truth that we always say will set you free and will set us up for the next pandemic when we need it.
but we, we're not prepared for the next pandemic because we don't want to face the reality of what just went on. Great to catch up with Steve Kirsch on the program. I've got to take a break. Um, if you've got something to say, jump on those talkback numbers. I'd love to hear what you think after getting through those key stories with Steve. Uh, from the US or Canada, one 888 From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Uh-oh, someone on the staff of Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas screwed up big time. She's running for mayor of Houston. And, well, before we get to the details, here's how she treats her staff or has treated them in the past when they screw up. I need to uh, ensure my um, schedule and, uh, you know, if they boo-boo did it, shit-ass did it, fuck-face did it, and nobody knows a goddamn thing in my office. Okay, now watch this. Houston, I've spent my entire career fighting for you. From fighting to keep our kids safe from guns when I was on city council, to my days in Congress fighting to protect women's reproductive freedom, and for funding for our police, schools, and small businesses. Now I'm running to be your mayor, because if we're going to bring down crime, fix our streets, and bring good paying jobs here, then Houston needs a champion who's ready to fight for what's right. And I am. Did you see that at the end? It said, vote on December 7th. Let's put that up. Vote on December 7th. Problem is, the vote is on December 9th. Let me say it again. Uh-oh. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my licence, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. Where the story goes, we follow Chris Smith on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Steve, if you had a fair-minded health minister who saw a whistleblower come forward with that information, you'd launched an investigation, wouldn't you? And not an investigation against the whistleblower, an investigation into the authenticity and the significance of the data he presented to Liz Gunn, the journalist. Wouldn't you? You just order an investigation straight off. But no, they've shut this bloke down because they don't want the truth out. They don't want people to know that the vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, are far more dangerous and in some cases deadly than anyone had been told, certainly by Big Pharma, and anyone had predicted, certainly the epidemiologists. They don't want to tell the truth because they're all going to be in strife especially the government. It's just outrageous. And look, River has made a comment on this on the chat box on tntradio.live, and it just makes sense. Surely any data protection concerns are secondary, he says, to public safety, especially if the data is anonymous. He didn't reveal people's addresses or names or those that have died or those that have been sick or those that have been jabbed or not, anonymous. This is data. It should have been dealt with responsibly by the New Zealand government instead of running away from it. Just outrageous. Okay. I do want to go to our uh, talkback lines. Have I got Don on the line, have I? Uh, it's Dan. Oh, Stan, is it? Hi, Stan. 
Dan, go uh, ahead. Dan, yeah. Uh, Chris, I was just going to say, we, we've got excess mortality in Australia. I think you've talked about that before. Yeah. Which, and so you asked Steve Kirsch, um, you know, would it be the same everywhere? And obviously everywhere that's got the excess mortality and had the COVID shots, that's... It's too obvious, isn't it? It, it has well, to be. Well, there's a doctor, a doctor by the name of Wilson Sy, I think it's S-Y, uh, who one of my listeners reminded me uh, just in the last 20 minutes that put together a data model that shows very, very similar results to the data that was released by the computer programmer in New Zealand. So it has been done. I don't know whether they are official numbers from the health department. I think they were sourced elsewhere, but it has been done by Dr. Wilson size. So if you look that up uh, under research gate, research gate, I think you will find similar excess death problems related to when we started rolling out the vaccine. That simple. You, you can go to the ABS and they have death statistics. I've, I went and had a look. Right. And in 2022, there's over 20,000 dead Australians Okay, ex excess that we, we didn't ex weren't expected. Okay, so yep. just in line with the. I guess the good news is there's less in 2023. So since we stopped, the death rate's slowing down. Yeah. From these yeah. vaccines. Okay. Well, but, well, um, well. For a start, they're not as potent as we were told they would be, and that's why there's probably a tapering off of excess deaths. And uh, and and you know, and secondly, no one wants a jab anymore. Exactly. They stop. People stop taking them, and the and the increase in the rate of death slows down, okay, and it's mm. tapering off. It appears to be, if you look at the numbers, and, and all of twenty twenty three is not in, but it has slowed down, mm. which is Spot good. On. <laughs> good news. Yeah. yeah, good on you, Dan. Uh, I just wish Thanks, government man. would just face the facts, have the guts, have the moral compass to say, let's have a look at what went on in truth to try and work out how not to repeat the dose next time we face with the same circumstances. But no one wants to face the truth because they're going to be found to be culpable, which is just outrageous. Former President Donald Trump has the upper hand over President Joe Biden in two critical battleground states. See, this it's no good getting a poll that takes in a national perspective. Those polls mean absolutely nothing. You've got to take polls that are done in particular um, battleground states where it could go either way, which are usually litmus tests for who becomes the president that year. They are the surveys and polls you should gravitate to. And here is one. This was done in battleground states of Michigan and Georgia with broad majorities in both states holding negative views of the sitting president's job performance, policy positions and sharpness, according to new CNN polls conducted by SSRS. In Georgia, a state Biden carried by a very narrow margin in 2020, it registered voters say they prefer Trump 49 to 44. In Michigan, which Biden, of course, won by a wider margin, Trump has 50% support to Biden's 40%. Um, the trajectory is heading towards Donald Trump. Don't think he can't get in. He can. And the Democrats have to get rid of Joe Biden quick smart as soon as we get back from the break. I'll... Um, leave you with the news and then we'll come back and we'll talk a whole heap of uh, other issues which are on the agenda at the moment with holly hughes the new south wales senator this is chris smith on tnt radio